Hey, welcome to the Maturing in Manhood podcast. My name is Dan. I'm Jonathan. And we are recording our sixth episode here, John. Numero seis. Numero seis, if you are bilingual here. And we are keeping the uh, focus uh, on helping young men find and use wisdom to um, really kind of maybe spur or kind of water their growth and maturity and manhood. And uh, so we have been kind of challenged by what Paul says when Paul is teaching Titus and some of the young church leaders and he gives these instructions he says in the same way encourage young men to live wisely so when we're thinking about dads dudes and disciples John we're just hoping that um, we can offer a little wisdom to them on these topics yeah hopefully a couple of uh, trusted voices here that uh, can bring some meaningful help yeah so today we are in another one of the virtues that Paul is um, writing Timothy, and he says to Timothy, but Timothy, you are a man of God, so run from all the evil things. Pursue righteousness and a godly life, along with faith, love, perseverance, and gentleness. So today we are talking about perseverance. Mm-hmm. Definition of that, John, what in the world are we talking about? Oh, man. Well, one definition could be perseverance as something that enables you to endure in spite of opposition. So you're up against it, but perseverance says, I'm going to keep going. Yeah, if you dig into it, the Bible definition of it is it's being able to withstand hardship or even, I guess, on a lesser degree, stress. Mm-hmm. So you... It's something that comes from an inward fortitude to keep on going, even though you're face you're in or facing hardship or you're distressed. And it actually triggered something. When I think about this definition, John, I think about this word that I heard. I really heard this a lot growing up. I'm not, I don't hardly ever hear it anymore, but it's the word backslider. Oh yeah. Remember that? I'm very familiar with that word. How did you, how do you remember it in your, in your past? Oh, somebody who's been naughty. You know, for a long time or just, like, <laughs> oh no, they didn't have to be naughty for a long time. Really? Yeah. Just I mean, once? it could be, it could be a believer that, you know, falls into some kind of public sin. They are a backslider. Okay. So, oh, you know what? I learned a term in college called front slider. No have you, way. Have you heard of that? I have not. Tell me, yeah. please tell yeah, me. Yeah, I can't yeah. wait to hear yeah, this. Yeah. So I think what the, <laughs> what the professor was getting at was if you're front sliding, you're actually still moving forward you're actually headed in the right direction. And I think actually it probably applies to a little bit of what we're talking about today. It probably is more in reference to like coming up against something very difficult. And if you're front sliding, you're moving in the right direction, even though you're kind of sliding, if that makes sense. That that makes no sense. Actually, now that I really say it, that's a terrible term. No, no, it really is the, it's like, it's in contrast. I think the point is you're not going backwards. Okay. Right? Backsliding means you're falling away. Right. Front sliding means you're falling toward. Oh, brother. Come on. It's okay. good. So it's the opposite of backsliding. I changed my mind. It's actually it's a, a great it's term. The back, it's it's the, a great term. It's the opposite of backsliding. I just remember it used to describe anybody who's no longer either serious about their faith or seems to be... Um, 
unrighteous, sinful, and if they call themselves a Christian, they must be a backslidden Christian or oh. someone who is a longtime church member, attender, even a church leader who's quote unquote fallen away from their face. They're not living it, mm-hmm. right? They're not living it anymore and they would be categorized a, as a as a backslider. Now, we have some really interesting, because of social media, we get some insights into some of what Uh, people are experiencing in our modern culture called deconstruction. Hmm. Uh, So they have these doubts. They have these opposed views being presented to them. um, And they just begin to think and work through the deconstruction of the faith that they had inherited or that they had originally believed. So they constructed this faith. Mm -hmm. And then for whatever reason, now we're deconstructing, right? And you're saying that could be linked to a lack of perseverance? I'm saying that we used to call that backsliding. Now, because of social media, we see people talking through their backsliding in terms uh, of deconstruction. Uh, um, but deconstruction, person who is deconstructing isn't explaining why they're backslidden. They're explaining why they've, quote, unquote, abandoned their faith. Yeah, gotcha. Right, or forfeited or, or rejected their faith, right? So what I've noticed is that some of them are explaining how they endured personal suffering or they observed either individual injustice against themselves or against other people and they begin to kind of blame god um Mm. reframe who god is uh right so they were brought up to believe in a god that loved and cared and forgave and whatever and yet somehow this god is still orchestrating massive individual personal suffering or injustice around the world Mm. and it really and it really kind of catastrophically affects what they've been. I, I actually have never heard someone describe their deconstruction and say, I no longer believe in the resurrection of Jesus. Yeah, that's I've a great never point. heard that. I've only that's ever heard. Point. I don't like who the church is now. Yeah. Or uh, God didn't really come through for me yeah. the way that I thought he should yeah. or would. Or someone else. Yeah. Or someone else. And then I started to have doubts about. Um, whether or not God is real. Now, if you're from the Reformed theology camp, you would say that perseverance through personal suffering, injustice, any kind of opposition, hardship, or stress is an evidence of your regeneration, that you actually can, uh, one of the fruits of being born again is that you actually have, by the grace of God, the power to endure. And that if you aren't enduring in your faith, if you are quote unquote a backslider or you are deconstructing, mm-hmm. the the reformed angle would be that's an evidence that your heart hasn't been regenerated by the Spirit and then sealed by the Spirit for eternal salvation. Mm-hmm. Interesting, right? Mm-hmm. It is, and I think uh, interestingly, and and we'll we'll talk about this in a, in a little bit, but it's possible that enduring means that something special is happening right something's being produced through that endurance through that through that perseverance you're gonna you're gonna come to a place that you would have never gotten to otherwise right right yeah so that it it means that it's not pointless essentially which is a great that's a great i I also hope that is great hope i think that when somebody is considering what they've lost the level of hardship the level of opposition the level of quote-unquote injustice and personal suffering i've often heard it said that uh it's not worth it whatever whatever fruit of this suffering is is going to come about is 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 not worth what i've lost in other words i lost a child i lost a, a spouse and 
whatever kind of suffering and hardship that yeah. that, uh, that grows you know you can have it so maybe like whatever i might gain out of that is is would pale in comparison to what i've lost actually totally, yeah totally yeah i've never thought of it that way well what is your when you think about when when paul here is talking about perseverance he's saying the power to withstand hardship or stress uh, which is in the face of opposition, you just keep going, you keep grinding. Now, you and I have talked about this in the past, that one of the traits that we feel like we have, whether or not it's a male trait or not a male trait, and you know, or kind of maybe elevated in, in the male testosterone versus the, the, the female, mm-hmm. I'm not sure, and it doesn't really matter, mm-hmm. but it, it is the idea that when needed, we have like a, a gear that we can change into which is to put the blinders on put your head down and just start grinding mm-hmm. right so uh when you when you have you what kind of typical opposition might you have faced in your own life when i think of this by the way i immediately go towards some of my opposition and hardship is just my own laziness mm. in life yeah uh, which is probably not what Paul is referring to. He's talking about maybe a hardship that's outside or, um, but relative to my faith, the opposition that I've kind of experienced the most obviously is not public protest. My life is not in peril. Like in the Middle East, when you come to saving faith and you get uh, born again and baptized in water, your faith, I mean, your your new faith in Jesus puts your life in peril, Yeah. right? So that's a, that's a whole nother level. Obviously in our free country, that's not what kind of... Um, right persecution and opposition we're getting here but i feel like the opposition that i've had to persevere through is my own doubts at times yeah um probably nowhere near as serious as some of the people who have deconstructed but just doubts like what if i'm wrong what if everything i've ever been saying and believing and resting mm-hmm. in is just literally a construct of uh, our own culture my own yeah. mind and and certainly that's what some of the cynics would say about our faith or or even some of my um, the typical opposition might be just the fact that I have an unpopular worldview being Christianity. Yeah. Right. And then when you think about how unpopular the worldview is, you're kind of like, hmm, this seems oppositional. Right. Am I going to kind of go with the flow here or am I going to, you know, start to undo what I believe because it's unpopular? Yeah. And then criticism from Christians can really bother me at times. Like every 10 years, I think I have a real existential crisis. Like, man, Christians are harsh. Mm-hmm. And um, and then the last opposition that I sense at times is the is just a sense of ineffectiveness of my faith or the in, or the powerlessness, right? We talk a lot around here about the gospel is transformational. It transforms your heart, home, and neighborhood. And then when I see that it isn't, mm. I start to wonder, is it? me or us is it them or is the fact that the gospel isn't presented or believed the right way so where in like in god forbid we are the um what does jesus say about the pharisees he said they had a particular something of godliness an appearance of godliness but lacking the power and that kind of freaks me out sometimes like you know is the where is the power we see the power of substances we see demonic power we see the power of um you know the idols that control our lives and then at times i'm like but where is the breakthrough transformational your life is never the same power of the gospel so sometimes i feel like that's something i have to persevere through yeah that's that's a great point because i think a lot of times our expectation is to see transformation like in an instant yeah right or some like you know miraculous power of God moment where something is completely transformed in an instant as opposed to over time yeah. and over a lifetime. Yeah. Um, 
Yeah, and yet Jesus is always talking in terms of seasons, right? Yeah. Trees and fruit. Yes. Fruitful. Just the word fruitfulness yeah. implies that there's the several time. seasons. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So we're kind of taking it and putting it on our own scale of, or or expectation of this is this is how long I would expect this to to yeah. happen, and God's like. That's not how it works. I think I respond sometimes to seeing how someone who starts to drink too much, that substance starts to use and abuse them very quickly. Mm -hmm. And then I go, that's pretty fast. Yeah. Why can't we get a transformational <laughs> uh, work of the gospel, you know, that really brings yeah. newness and freedom and yeah. healing and so on. But can are, are there some for you when you think about the opposition that you've persevered through? Yeah. I, I think one of the, one of the enemies of perseverance in my own life is isolation. And I guess what I mean by that is I think sometimes as men, we get this idea that if we're going to persevere, then we've got to do that on our own. Mm. We've got to like, really put our head down and grind away. <clears throat> and I'm not sure why that's sort of our default mode, but I don't, I don't function well that way. Mm -hmm. I don't do life very well on my own. So at the uh, time, do you know that you're isolating yourself to just really grind and go? No, because again, I think it's just a default mode. It's not something that, that I, or most of us, I would say probably recognize right off the bat. We just go, I've got to grind. Yeah. And, and, and if I'm grinding, I'm probably going to end up doing it alone. I've just got to persevere. I've gotcha. got to get through, you know. So that uh, grinding path kind of takes you off into aloneness and isolation. That's 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 how it how it's been for me. Gotcha. As opposed to walking with someone else, I think is just so much more effective. An example of that would be like at the gym, right? I don't I don't go to the gym very well on my own. The alarm clock goes off. If I know somebody's not expecting me, I'm not probably yeah. getting up, you know? Mm -hmm. So I know that having a partner and certainly that the same thing can be, can be said of, of faith, right? We're not meant to grow necessarily on our own in the same way that we would grow in a, in a family. Yeah. Right. And with, and with um, some, some support around us. So that's a big one for me. Another thing is I don't necessarily persevere very well just in a, in a practical sense <clears throat> because I have a tendency to settle for good, mm. good enough, okay, essentially. Yeah. Um, and that, that could, could mean like if I'm, if I'm working on something or I'm trying to, to, to grow in a skill or grow in a particular aspect of my faith, sometimes I'll just kind of not necessarily hit a wall, but just get to a point where like, I think that's, I think that's good. That's acceptable. And then my personality type is just like, I'm on to whatever's next, mm, okay. you know? So, so sometimes good is actually like the enemy of great yeah, yeah. In, in my personality. Sure. So, yeah, that makes sense. Mm -hmm. It's interesting to me that Paul, when he's listing perseverance here, he's, he's really talking about an attribute that's needed because He's implying difficulty. Mm. He's implying, right, that, that whatever Timothy is going to be facing here, it's, such it's, a good going, point. it's going to be yep. in the middle of difficulty. Again, I mean, we could do a whole episode uh, on how that's the opposite of what the American gospel is, right? Yes. 
um, that the American gospel elevates and enhances your life beyond difficulty because you're doing the thing, the God things, and therefore God gives you good things. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So of course we we know that as prosperity gospel, but it's so subtle. But instead, what Paul is saying to Timothy is, Timothy, you're going to be a significant leader in this church. You're going to be a man who grows in godliness and matures in yeah. manhood. Yeah. One of the things you're going to need is perseverance. Yeah. And it, the implication is, it's it's hard. That's right. Life is hard, and it's hard. And, yeah. And here's what he ultimately says, and you could re- reach back into Romans to see this, where Paul says, perseverance arises from suffering. Mm-hmm. That's where that's where perseverance is grown. I- interesting, right? You need perseverance in suffering, and you're going to draw on the perseverance that you got from suffering yeah. in the past. Yes. So it really does strengthen itself. Here's how he writes it. We can rejoice, too, when we run into problems and trials. Why would we ever rejoice when we run into trials and problems? Why would we? This is my words. Why would we not reject problems and trials? Why would we not pray away all our problems? That's right. I mean, we kind of do, right? Prayer requests. It's all like, here's all these problems. I want to pray them away, right? Um, Do you remember praying that God would take away your affection for a girl that wasn't interested in you? (laughs) That never happened to me ever, not one time. (laughs) I do not recall that. Not in kindergarten, not in fifth grade, not in seventh grade, not in eighth grade, and never several times in high school. Never. Sounds like a lot of rejection in your life. <laughs> That's well. Listen, this is what happened. God knew what I needed, and f- and here's what He goes on to say: For we know that they help us develop endurance. Mm-hmm. So problems and trials, according to the scriptures, God is saying, your problems and trials are developing your endurance. Yeah, it's actually doing something. Yeah, and um. I think of high school kids. I remember when I was youth pastoring and we used to go to this event called See You at the Pole, the prayer meeting, See You at the Pole, right? Christians, um, people who, students who consider themselves Christians would get around this flagpole in the morning while the buses are all pulling up and they'd be praying at the flagpole, right? And I remember um, this low-level persecution of people students putting the windows down on the bus and yelling out the bus window. Oh, my word. And they're yelling at the, you know, they're just teasing or whatever yeah. they're saying, right? And um, and I remember thinking, well, for these high school kids, here's some low-level persecution, <laughs> right? Yeah, more like embarrassment. Embarrassment, right? right? Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So you just wonder, uh, you know, if they perceive that as as um, as suffering. But you know, you mentioned this earlier when we were talking about how what you get from the trials and what you get from the problems when you run into them, you know that it's going to produce endurance, it's yeah. developing endurance, and I think that um, we actually had the situation my wife and I have mentioned it a few times over the years and sometimes tell the whole story sometimes I just refer to it but mm-hmm. our personal story of suffering was what we consider like a dark providence of God where God knew it was mm-hmm. happening God allowed it to happen he was with us while it happened but it was dark yeah he provided everything we needed while we were going through this darkness and it was a, it was a time in our life where we were pregnant with twins and we lost them both they were delivered preterm too early and uh, could not sustain their own breathing on their own. So we lost both of them, uh, Danielle and Lenore. Mm -hmm. One of them actually took its last breath right in my hand. I was holding this little, tiniest little baby. The head is in my fingers. The bottom is right on the palm of my hand. And then it's little, her little legs are are over my wrist, you know, and uh, eyelashes, fingernails. And that last gasp, this child dies in my hand. And my goodness. And it was devastating. And it was the first time in our lives that Raquel and I had to consider, are we going to persevere in our faith here? Mm-hmm. Are we going to practice what we preach? 
Or are we going to let this suffering and hardship determine and define what we believed about God, that if he really loved us and cared about us, if this was the God that we had been believing and following, um, you know, we we have some serious doubts about his level of love and care and protection for us. But one of the things that really helped us get through this was, um, I think, just the level of sound and clarity on who God is, recognizing that I can't reject God because he's allowed me suffer because yesterday someone else was suffering and I was fine with that God, mm. right? There's there's kids suffering, innocent kids suffering, abuse, neglect, exploitation, yeah. trafficking, and traffickers. Well, the day before, I was fine with that God. Yeah. All of a sudden, now this suffering touches our lives and we're now going, well, is this God the God that we want to serve? Well, why wouldn't we serve this, a God that that same God even though now the suffering is touching our lives. And by the way, it fits in our theology that the world is broken, corrupt, and sinful, and that death is is yeah. our greatest enemy. Yes. And of course, um, um, that fit our theology, that mm-hmm. this is exactly what God told us was gonna happen. And yeah. he sent the right people, he sent that. So anyways, yeah. I don't wanna go long into that story, well, but just to say, that was a time in our lives where we were running into a major problem and trial and had to, had to persevere. Dude, how? Think about the alternative to that, you know, your, your response to that being like, well, that, you know, without faith, right. Without trust in a God who like you said, use the word dark providence, but without someone who is, is over that. Right. Um, the, the, the alternative is, well, that was pointless. Hmm. Like that was totally meaningless. Like that was. It, it it you know yeah. it, it did nothing right. it, it was it, it had no purpose oh yeah you know i mean what what a what a contrast to what paul's talking about in in second corinthians here he says this he says that is why we never give up he says though though our bodies are dying our, our spirits are being renewed every day for our present troubles are small and won't last very long this is the key right here yet they produce like this is this is so uniquely christian yet they produce for us a glory that vastly outweighs them and will last forever yeah that's and the thing it's a it's a future focus yes yeah. that's like one of the most beautifully redemptive components i think of the entire christian faith right there i mean that's so unique that that your suffering isn't pointless. It isn't meaningless. It's actually being redeemed oh, man. and being transformed into something like yeah. something beautiful. It's achieving something mm-hmm. and perseverance. Not not certainly not necessarily on our own strength, but strength that can only come from the Holy Spirit. Yeah, right. Th- th- that's and, so good. And, and John. that's what allows this to un- sort of unfold yeah. in our lives. Um, so yeah, man, that, I mean, that, that, that is, that is something to hold on to. And again, in the moment when you're grieving and the whole, your whole life has been scorched and, uh, burned down to the ground in ashes, you really don't have the sense at the time to feel the feels or really to think straight or whatever. But over time, it really does become something that kind of grows up out of those ashes. And it's something that blooms that you can hold on to that in the future, uh, all of this is going to be rectified and fixed and transformed and healed, right? Amazing. And we get to see what purpose God would have in allowing his children to suffer. And, and it's 
he says the same thing later in Romans, you know, basically that perseverance builds and reveals Christian character. It builds your character, but it also reveals character. Mm-hmm. And in Romans 5, 4, Paul is writing to the church at Rome, and he says, endurance develops strength of character. And character strengthens our confident hope of salvation. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so look how your endurance in hardship and suffering and trial and problems is linked to the hope of your salvation. Yeah. There's a there's a very, very specific connection between the two. And he also gives us some really practical ways in which we can develop perseverance. How do we persevere? He says, hold on to what you learned from me. There are people ahead of you in the faith. And that's what we're hoping this is. Like, if you're a younger believer, you're a dad or a dude or a disciple, we're hoping that as you listen to this, you can hear Jonathan and I and say, I trust those guys. I trust their voices and their lives represent perseverance to me. Mm-hmm. And it's not unlike what Paul was telling Timothy when he said, hold on to the pattern of wholesome teaching that you learned from me. Hold right. on to that. Right. A pattern shaped by the faith and the love that you have in Jesus. So you hold on to what you learn uh, from someone else who's actually persevering ahead of you, who's enduring hardship and suffering. Yeah. I, you know, uh, and I'll just bring this up quickly, but this, this would have, this, this whole philosophy by Paul would have run so in contrast to the sort of philosophies of the day too, right? You've got like beyond Christianity, that's just like, just starting to, to blossom. Like there's these Epicureans and, and they would say like, well, you should avoid suffering because it, it, it's pointless and eventually it's just going to hurt you. So just avoid it. And then like the masochists of the day would have said like, embrace it, like embrace it for its own sake. Mm-hmm. You know, don't only accept it, but embrace Ex- it. Yeah, and then, you it. know, maybe you'll somehow feel better through it and maybe master it. And interesting, but the gospel doesn't do that. Right. It doesn't accept suffering. It doesn't avoid suffering. It doesn't embrace suffering. It actually like changes it. It transforms it. It through your suffering, something miraculous is being formed in you. Yeah. That's a completely new it is. perspective from Paul that would have really flown in the face of the day's philosophy. That's probably why he experienced opposition, resistance, and persecution from every camp. Yep. Because what he's saying is this is new, this is yes. true, and this is better than yeah. all of where you're coming oh, from, my. all your philosophies and yeah. so on. Yeah. And um, and he actually says in Colossians that there's another way to, to actually develop your perseverance, and that is to the church of Colossae. He said, and now just as you accepted Christ Jesus as your Lord, you must continue to follow him. And then he goes on to say, how do you continue to follow him? Let your roots grow down into him, not into a religion, not into a temple, not into a church, not into um, essentially not even into your religious leaders, Mm -hmm. right? Let your roots grow down into Jesus. Let your lives be built on Jesus. Then your faith will grow strong in the truth you were taught and you will overflow with thankfulness. So your faith grows strong to the degree in which your your roots grow down into Jesus. So you're focusing on your roots and that's really what we have to ask ourselves. If you are not rooted in Jesus, if you're rooted in a cool church, popular church, a trend, a personality pastor, if your roots are in anything else or if your roots are in your parents' faith that you inherited that they passed down to you or your roots are in good behaviors Mm -hmm. or your root, I mean, it's limitless. We talk about this stuff Mm -hmm. all the time. 
you can be sure that it will be very difficult to persevere when it gets hard. Yeah. When people, those are shallow roots. Is exactly. What, you, what you're saying. Exactly. And of course we know that, that there's a, you know, Jesus gives this parable story about building your life on the, on the sand. And mm-hmm. when the winds come and it blows over, but when you're built, your life is built on the rock, he's talking about himself. Right? right. Right. And that is what is essential to growing. And, and think of it. Trees only last, only hold up in the hurricane winds to the degree in which their roots are deep. Mm-hmm. So, it's impossible for us to endure any of these problems, trials, hardships, stresses, or suffering when we don't have roots that are into Jesus. And that's why we have to let our lives be built on those roots. And, and you know, he goes on to give a contrast and he says, and, and this is literally the next verse. Don't let anyone capture you with empty philosophies, high sounding nonsense that come from human thinking. There you go. And from the spiritual powers of this world rather than from Jesus. In other words, those things. Mm-hmm. You, you put your roots down in philosophies and whatever else, mm-hmm. or uh, you will be dragged away by those things if your roots are not in Jesus. Yep. Yep. And, and man, we got, I mean, we could probably spend a whole episode just talking about what are the empty philosophies and high sounding nonsense. I'm sure we'll get to some of that as we record more of these uh, episodes. Yeah, there. love it. Uh, lastly, how do we endure, perse- how do we uh, build endurance and perseverance, John? It goes on, Paul goes on to say in that same passage, by the way, that passage was Colossians 2, 6 through 10. So down in verses 9 and 10, he said, remember that Jesus is better. Mm. For in Christ lives all the fullness of God in a human body. So you also are complete through your union with Jesus, who is the head over every ruler and authority. So no matter what it is that you think is good, Jesus is better. No matter what philosophy sounds appealing and effective and, and maybe even inspirational and motivational, Jesus is better. Yeah. I mean, we could go on and on talking about this. Essentially, Jesus is an infinite, supremely valuable God who has come and expressed himself in Jesus, and the fullness of God is in the person of Jesus. No one and nothing is better. And that's why I like to say around here that that's our starting point with God, trusting and treasuring Jesus. Love that's it. where you start. Yeah. That's where you start. So um, Jesus is better. That's how we develop uh, perseverance. Focus on your roots. That's how we develop perseverance. And hold on to what you learn from people that are ahead of you in their faith. Yeah. That's how you develop perseverance. Yeah. And that, that just goes along with kind of what I was what I was trying to get at earlier is don't do it alone. Right. Don't sure, go at it alone. Sure. You know, you've got some wonderful people around you, some great examples of of um, some folks in the faith that, that that have already been there, that have have been through, and have exhibited perseverance. What better way to learn than to to just grab it off of them? And they right? don't have to be perfect. Yeah. Right. These are dudes that you're looking to that aren't perfect. Yeah. Aren't exactly like you. For sure. And um, but there's a lot that can be learned. So. Last question, John, is for you, the way that we close out our episodes, what everyone wants to know what you're making. I don't know that everyone wants to know. Uh, like Everyone like, in this room like wants I, to know like what like you're I making. Nor- <laughs> <laughs> like I normally say, this might be interesting to some. <laughs> um, I, I have uh, really worked on bread baking uh, in my recent history, and there's a particular way to do that. Uh, but, but, but now more recently I'm working on bread baking in a different kind of format. So I'm using my pizza oven, which is producing. So I've got to reformulate my, my dough, the hydration rate. I've got to think differently about how it's baking, how long it's baking, what the temperature is going to be in there. Um, and I'm actually cooking. So I'm making pizzas. And then the next morning that oven, believe it or not, is still hot enough 
to bake bread in. Really? Yeah, isn't that cool? It is cool. So it's like 850 degrees to bake pizzas, 800, something like that. I put the door on it. The next morning, it's like 400 degrees still. That's how well insulated that thing is. Slide a loaf of bread in there on a Saturday morning. And Dan, you you make like a like a veggie dish with some eggs cracked in it, yeah. you know, and then you get that fresh bread out of that pizza oven that's got a bit of a smoky flavor to it, you know, dipping it. And it's just like this is this is just more evidence that God is who he says he is. I was just gonna say it would to not bake bread in that oven after a pizza bake the night before is almost like complete rebellion against yeah. God. It is because and there it's there it is. He's got it in well, front of you, ignorance. and you're like, "Nope, it's I'm not doing it." It's it's beyond <laughs> ignorance. It sounds disobedient to me. I didn't, <laughs> I didn't know you could do it. Yeah, now I do, and it's been fun to work it on. It Does sound amazing. So, well, our listeners look forward to getting some sample bread once they click on that link and uh, subscribe. And, really, and uh, so check your mailbox and and uh, you know check the check your front door for the bread truck. Hey, everybody, thanks for listening to another episode of Maturing in Manhood. And and honestly, I mean, sincerely, our hope and prayer is that you're encouraged, you got a little wisdom, and uh, that it was helpful for your journey that you're on as a dude or a dad or a disciple in, um, in your maturing in your manhood. Thanks, everyone. Love you guys.